Welcome to Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message. So I told PG that um, it, would, it would help me a lot if I could just sing the whole message instead of speak it. Because <laughs> I hate speaking. I hate speaking. I don't get nervous at all to stand up here and sing. I don't, I, in front of thousands, I don't get nervous. But tell me to speak and words just don't come out the same. But I will tell you this, things that burn in me for some reason, until I share it, the Lord doesn't release it from me to, to not feel like I have to share it. So can anyone take a wild guess on what I'm speaking on today? Oh, you guys are good. Worship. But let me, let me have a disclaimer before I start. As a worship leader, usually, not saying anyone is thinking this, but I can probably guarantee someone is, oh, here we go. She's going to talk about how non-energetic we are and how we need to be a little bit more raising of our hands and all that. Someone in here is thinking that. I know they are. And I want to have a disclaimer with that. That is not what I'm up here to do. What I'm up here to do is to give you a real revelation of what worship is. Usually when I ask people what worship is, they're like, oh, you mean music. And, and like when you go to church and the band plays, right? I, for one, am the first person to say that. If you're like, what's the first thing? So I'm going to ask you the question. What's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say worship? Now all you spiritual people will be like, God, and giving him all the praise. But if you're honest with yourself, most of you probably said, raise your hand if you were like, worship to me, usually I think music. Like I say worship, and you're like, music. Yeah, there's two people in the back. Cool. The rest of you, I'm not preaching to you. I guess I'm preaching to them. So um, that is something that I want to completely debunk this morning, that worship is not just, it is, but it's not just music. It's not just um, the platform. It's not just singers and musicians. I'm going to address two types of worship this morning. Corporate, which is this, and a lifestyle of worship. So I'm going to go two different directions, and they're going to kind of go together in and out and weave in and out. I'm not going to talk about one and then the other. Um, I also want to say this, because a lot of you just know me as this up here. Everything I say to you has completely wrecked me and changed my life first. So I don't want you to think that I'm preaching at you, like I'm better than you and you guys need to get this. No, I've found myself on the face, my, on, on the face, on my face and the Lord, whatever. See what I mean about words? Um, I found myself on the floor in tears. Even this week, I've, I've preached. Some of the people that are here this morning have been with me for, in ministry for years. And some of this stuff I have talked about for years. But just this week, the Lord was giving me more things. And I found myself crying many times. Um, the moment a worship leader thinks they've arrived, they're actually farther away than they ever were before. So I never, ever want to be like that. Um, all right, so when I say worship, you think music. Some of you think I like people talking back at me. So what are some of the things you think of with worship? Go for it. Yell it out. A, a sword, dancing, giving, Praise. Frontline, perfect, good, awesome. So these are some things that I want to, oh, first, I wanted to say this. I have been guilty of this. PG's been guilty of this. Every worship leader on the planet and pastor has been guilty of this at some point. When I say the word praise songs and I say the word worship songs, praise means fast and worship means slow. That is a lie. I'm pretty sure in the book of Psalms, when David was in certain places in his life, and he's saying, oh, I praise you, that he wasn't jumping around like crazy. 
I'm sure right after everything went down with Bathsheba and then he killed Bathsheba's husband and he says in the next scripture, I will praise you. I'm pretty sure that he wasn't like excited dancing naked. Well, maybe he was. I don't know. But um, I'm pretty sure. So another thing I want to tell you um, is what worship is. So this is things that worship are. When we worship, our reality comes into agreement with God's reality. When we worship, our reality comes into agreement with God's reality. Worship releases the government of God. Each one of these statements in their own is a whole sermon. But I'm just going to give you these. The more we worship, the more we grow in the knowledge of God. And when the congregation, that's you guys, when, well, your congregation. When the congregation of heaven worships, God releases his glory in the heaven over the congregation. So basically, Revelation 4 is talking about what heaven looks like. What's happening in Revelation 4, guys? Everyone's crying out holy. The elders are falling down. It's talking about the rainbows and everything, the sounds coming out of the throne room, right? Everyone kind of knows that. If not, go read Revelation 4. Um, So that is the worship going on in heaven. When we worship in our congregation, that invades heaven, and then heaven invades earth, and we become one. I don't think we get that. We come in here on Sundays, and we're like, hey, song's going. Most of us don't come in on time. We come into the service. Church starts. We go for it. 30, 40 minutes in, PG or Donnie come up, and we're like, cool, now it's preaching time. Do you guys know what we missed in that 40 minutes, if that's our attitude? It's an agreement with heaven. We think... We think when we talk about praising him and all of that, that it's a new thing going on. No, what heaven's been doing has been going on for thousands and thousands of years. We're joining in with them. We're not doing anything new here. Our worship, this isn't new. This is old. But we're joining in with heaven. And I think that's something that we miss a lot of times as worshipers and as a congregation. So, um, even so, when the congregation on earth worships, God will release his glory in the earth. It's just, it's a marriage. It's just a marriage. My job as a worship leader and the worship team, the way I see the worship team in a congregational setting, they are all on the same level as I am. I may have the mic and I may have picked the songs and I may be singing them more boldly, but they are just as much operational in the spirit and what heaven is feeling as I am, if not more, if not more. When we come up in a congregation and we look at someone and we're like, oh, I really like them. I don't know why they're up there, but I really like them. We are completely taking out the flow of worship and we're making it about us and what we see on that platform. And we're going to miss, we're going to miss the whole marriage thing. My job is to, I learned this years ago, Tito, remember when Terry Terry came? Years ago, probably what, 12 years ago? Yes, you remember it. It marked me. My job as a worship leader is to take your hand and to take the hand of Jesus and bring you guys together and hold, hold on tight. And for me to back off and let you go. That's our job. And that is the job of this platform. And it is not to entertain you. All right. I hope, I, that's, that's why I had to say the disclaimer in the beginning that I'm not, like, preaching at you. Like, this is stuff that marked me first. Um, worship is so much more than music. Worship is about living out our expression of love. So, congregation-wise, congregation when you come into service on Sunday, it shouldn't be like, oh, finally, I get to worship God. It's been a long week. 
No, Sunday morning should be an overflow of your worship during the week to God. A lot of us, including myself sometimes, will come in and be like, oh, finally, an outlet. No, this should be the overflow of the outlets during the five, six other days during the week. If we, if we can get that, guys, do you realize what that means for this congregation at Remnant Christian Center? If we can grasp these concepts, my goal is for you guys to leave with a completely different mindset of worship. So um, things that like can mess up our worship to God in, in our daily life and in corporate, how we view God. We had a bad week. Something bad happened. Um, we lost somebody we loved. Someone hurt us really bad. A lot of us blame God. Let me just tell you, that is a misconception of God. I always go back to the book of Job. And if you have not read Job, go back to Job. He lost everything. Everything. And he just kept saying, I will praise you. I will praise you. We, we, I look, if you go back and look, and we, a lot of you have suffered a lot in your life. I'm not lessening what has happened to you. But I'm pretty sure... Most of us have not lost everything, had boils on our skin, had our wife tell us that we're crazy for still loving God and leave us. Maybe you have. I don't know. But all of those things, maybe one of those things we've had, he had it all. And he still stood before God and was like, I'm not, I'm not shaken. And that's because God believed that no matter what. So when we blame God, sometimes that affects how we worship God. Because we're like, oh, I can't come. I, can't. I don't know why you let that happen. I don't even want to talk to you right now. Now, I believe God loves questions, because if you look through scripture, he asks questions. I mean, even the one time Job even tried to say something, he's like, do you not know who I am? Weren't you there when I formed the earth? Were you there? And Job's probably like, I'm so sorry. Like, I didn't mean to. I think he likes questions, though, because again, even with Job, he came back with questions. I love Jesus. He, when anybody asked him a question, he's like, well, let me ask you a question. You know, and he, Peter, do you love me? I mean, he didn't just say what he needed to say. He had to ask it in a question. So I'm not saying it's bad to ask God questions. I'm saying when you blame God, you have a misconception of God. I say it this way. When people say, why, why so-and-so is like, I, I, was, I was on Facebook one day, and I watched someone that um, I looked up to. Um, I, I still do, but... I feel like they have a little bit of a misconception of God because they were, like, cursing God on Facebook publicly, which, like, makes my heart, like, go, like, just want to vomit. But they were, like, cursing at him on Facebook publicly, like, because they lost an animal, I think it was. Um, and they were just going crazy, going crazy, going crazy. And, I, and somebody messaged me because they knew that we knew them, and they were like, why is he doing that? And I said, and they're like, that, that's not even who God is. And I said, exactly. He is talking to a God that doesn't even exist. Because the God that he's cursing and saying, why would you allow A, B, C, D, E, F, G happen? And that's not my God. And I'm like, exactly. That's not. You have a misconception. You've created a God in your head that does this and this when this happens. But that's not who God is at all. So I think the misconception is, so how do we, how do we figure out who is God? We read the word. We read the word and it will stand true. And that will help us in our worship. We don't feel good. We don't feel good. We definitely can't worship then. You know, like, work. let's talk about work. So you wake up and you're not feeling so hot. Some of you don't, aren't necessarily sick when you call into work. You might just be like, uh, wake up and be like, I don't feel like going. And you have to pick up your phone or text now, I guess. Do you guys text your bosses? Yeah? That's cool. I would way rather text my boss than call him. Um, you text or call 
your office or wherever you're at, your, your place of work, and you say what? <laughs> I'm so sick. I'm not going to come into work. And then you, like, hang up the phone and then, like, go jump around and go crazy and go shopping and all this stuff, right? Now, some of you are genuinely sick sometimes, but you know what I'm talking about. So we can do that with our, we can do that with our place of work. Sometimes they give you so many days that you can call in, sick days, right? So you can call in, right? You don't feel like going. You don't feel like doing it. But God's not a business. So when you don't feel like it, you can't call in and be like, I'm sorry, God, I don't feel like it today. For God, it's personal. So for him, everything is personal. There's a book that I just got two weeks ago. It's by Bob Sorg. Is that right? Is that how you say it, Enrique? Sorgi? We had a long debate a long time. He doesn't even know. Okay. S-O-R-G-E. His name is Bob. He writes phenomenal books. It's one of his newer ones. It's called, it's called It's Not Business, It's Personal. And it, again, had me, some of this stuff came out of that, and it is life-changing. And it talks about how we try to make our life with God a business, and it's not a business. The cross was not a business, guys. That was personal. When he gave up his son to die on the cross, that's not a business. That's a personal thing. So if we can start making worship more personal in our life and in a corporate setting, I think that'll be good. Um, sometimes we feel unworthy. You mess up. You've done something wrong. Maybe you're even living a lifestyle that you know is contrary to the word of God. So you're like, I'm not really worthy. I believe that when he died on the cross, he showed his worth for you. His, your worth to him. So if that's the case, why would we say that? I definitely believe in repentance. I don't think you should keep living that way. I'm not saying that. But a lot of times, unworthiness will keep us from worshiping. The extravagance of your worship is directly related to the extravagance of your, relation, your revelation of God. The extravagance of your worship in your life and in corporate is directly connected to your revelation of God. So if you come in and you're like, I'm not really feeling this service. Maybe that's because your revelation of God won't even let you because you don't have a revelation. We, we love to blame the church and the worship leaders and the kids pastors and the youth pastors and all of that. But how about it being us that we need a revelation of God so even if we come into a dead church, not here, dead church, we should still be burning. I love going places. I love going places like um, I was raised Baptist, so I'm not saying anything bad. But yeah, you, but you know, you can go into some of the old, old Baptist churches and, and they're still doing those beautiful hymns and that's the end. And it's just the organ. If you can walk into that place and feel awkward, you're missing a revelation of God. If you can walk into that place and so I'll cherish the old rugged cross instead of like everyone else is standing there like, this is so weird. When we traveled with our, our ministry team a few years back, when we used to travel with them, a lot of them are part of RCC and even a part of leadership, like Mikkel and Alicia and Blake and Ashley and Rob and all them. We would go into pretty cold places, and we would pray beforehand. We'd pray in the spirit. We'd pray, and we'd be like, when you go in there, you shift the atmosphere. So let me ask you, if you're feeling like our platform in a corporate setting is kind of dead in worship, why don't you shift us? Why do we have to shift you? So you're, 
So your revelation of God, your revelation of God should be, <laughs> you got to quit. Your revelation of God should be strong enough in you that when you come in, you shift an atmosphere. I can't do that. <laughs> it's real. It's real for me, though. It's really real for me. <laughs> All right. So um, let me talk about person, a little bit of personal. This is a point that I have to you, Zach. What we are doing in our daily life with Holy Spirit is a dynamic impact on how we will be affected in a worship corporate setting. So just like I said, when you guys come in on a Sunday morning, it should be an overflow of your week, not a first time. Now, let me just say, I've come up in here on a Sunday morning and not even talked to God almost the whole week, except in passing, like, oh, yeah, I got to talk to you. I'm not going to lie. It's happened. But that is not what your life should reflect. That should not be what it is. So what we are doing in our daily life with Holy Spirit is a dynamic impact on how we will be affected in a worship corporate setting like this. All right? Um, so I want to talk about I want to talk about the... A specific word. On May 5th, I'm doing a, a all-day thing here with Yvette and Harvest and uh, Shalini and a couple other people on the worship team. We're going to be meeting in here. We're going to be teaching on words of worship. So when you guys read the Bible, you see the word praise, right? Right? Tito, you know where I'm going with this. You see the word praise, right? You see the word worship, do you know that that's all we see in those words? But do you know that over four, 400 times in the scripture, there's mentioned the word praise? And do you know every single time it's a different meaning for the word praise in the original Greek and Hebrew? We get so gypped in our language. Our English language is gypped because we see the word praise and, and like um, it says, like, let me see. Let me give, give me a scripture. Um, I'll go to that in a second. Anyway, I'll, I'll come back to that. So we see the word and we're like, I praise. But do you know that the word praise can mean to bow down, to jump around like crazy? Yeah, the Bible does say that. To lift your hands, to lift your hands when you don't feel like it, to bow down, to sing a song that's not on the screen. Those are all definitions in the word of God. I have heard many times, many times, well, I just don't believe in that jumping around stuff then you don't believe the Bible because the Bible talks about praise being jumping around. There's a specific spot. I, and we'll, you, can bring out, you can bring out David. So funny story. I have to go here. My husband has served um, at a couple places to help. Where we, As you guys, most of you may know, we like to come in places and build things up and then let them shine. So like in places that don't have worship teams or something like that, we like to build it up and get it to be everything God wants it to be and then let them shine and then just kind of take our hands off. So my, my husband was serving in a, a, a church that um, didn't have anything, really barely anything. And so he came in to raise up some worship teams and um, some of the, the people in our ministry of the lampstand came to sew into that. And there was a particular Sunday where after a song was now... This, this denomination of the church was um, very, very cold. And so we brought our DNA in there. And, you know, that's raising of the hands. And, I mean, that's – and the cool thing is it's not just because that's what we do and we can show off. It's because that's who we are. And whether I go to a, a charismatic, non-denominational church or a Catholic church, you're going to see me be the same way. That's, that's what we should look like. So they go in there. So, so this lady, precious lady – 
precious, precious lady, comes up to my husband at the end of the service. And he's like, I, I couldn't, she's like, she's like, I couldn't see the words on the screen when you guys were singing your songs. And uh, he was like, oh, well, we're working on the bulbs for the projection. We're a little dead. He's like, we're working on that. We're working on getting the new bulbs so it's brighter. And she's like, now the whole worship team heard this. She's like, no, it was that raising your hands and flaring them around thing y'all were doing. It just got in the way of the screen. He said, all right, all right. He said, you know, you know, we're not doing that to be a distraction. She said, it is. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just a distraction. He says, okay, well, you know, David in the Bible, you know, he, he danced around naked before the Lord. And she said, oh, well, that's not what I'm saying. And he said, well, you better be glad that we're not dancing naked and we're just lifting our hands then because then it's not as big of a deal. Now, that really did get said. And my husband got called into the pastor's office the next day. And if y'all don't know John, he is who he is. And he came in, usually when he gets called in the pastor's office, it's not a good thing. He came in and his pastor said, did you say this to so-and-so? And he said, yeah. He said, then did you say that David danced naked, but she should be lucky that we're not? And that's all we're doing is lifting our hands? He said, I did. The pastor looked at him and said, you're my hero. <laughs> well, that's a true story. <laughs> so with all those words of worship that I'm talking about, I'm going to address one today. One. I want you all to stand up with me. Just lift your hands. You feel the Holy Spirit? Y'all, y'all lying. I heard it. Yes. Let me ask you again. Do y'all feel the Holy Spirit? Y'all still lying. I'm just having you guys check your armpits, make sure you put deodorant on. There's nothing spiritual happening right now. Now, you can put your hands on if they get tired, but I just, I want you to sit down now. There's a word in Psalm 116, 17. That's, the word is sacrifice, which the word sacrifice, worship, and praise all tend to kind of go together with those words that I was telling you about. But this word sacrifice actually means worship. So it says, to you I shall offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call upon the name of the Lord. Now, when we see that word, when I see that word, I think of sacrifice. And a lot of times I think down to like they used to have to actually sacrifice things like um, animals and stuff like that. So a lot of times I just see sacrifice and all. But I want to show you the word toda. I think you have that thing, is the word that I'm going to address with this sacrifice. It's T-O-W-D-A-H. And the word actually means, in the original Greek, Greek and Hebrew, sacrifice. And then in parentheses right next to it, in the Strong's Concordance, it says, as a sacrifice of um, lack of emotion. So basically when you don't feel like it. So I have heard numerous times, including myself, say, I don't really, I don't really feel like it. I don't feel anything right now. In fact, I feel the opposite. So, and I've heard people say when the pastor, I'm big on this, when the pastor or worship leader say, lift your hands. I've heard people say, I don't feel like it. 
It's not about feeling. It's about obedience. It's about obedience. You guys didn't just feel like anything when I said to lift your hands. But the Bible says you make a sacrifice before the Lord of whatever it may be. There's a scripture that uses sacrifice with the lifting of your hands, with the thanksgiving of God, with getting before the Lord low, low as you can. This is what that means. One of the first times the word worship with sacrifice is used in the Bible. Not one of the first time. The first time is in Genesis 22. What happens in Genesis 22 is a parallel of what happens of Jesus with his father. It was when Abraham has prayed for years for a son and is finally given Isaac. And God says, now go kill him. Now, a lot of times we like to be all modest and say, go sacrifice. No, God was telling him to kill his son. And I think, um, I'm not a theologian in this, but from what I've read and understand, Isaac was probably around 9 or 10-ish, maybe 11 years old. Now, that's the age of my two sons. Stand in the back. Check out his handsomeness back there. <laughs> he just hid. Um, that is how old they are. And I'm pretty sure... That was the sacrifice. Can you play that? This is a clip from one of my favorite, um, it's not all biblical, but this clip is of Abraham and Isaac. He's getting it together. This is the first time worship was talked about. Oh, and before we show it, the when we read um, Abraham and Isaac's story, and if you don't know this story, go to Genesis 22 later, it's only a few verses. It's like, oh, he said... God said, take him to the mountain and sacrifice him. And he's like, okay, we went up the mountain. And then Isaac was like, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham's like, oh, it'll be here. God will provide. And then the next scripture, it says, and he went to kill his son and God provided a lamb. It's like eight verses. Let me show you what the in-between looks like. We good, Zach? Go for it.
hurting me, Father. Isaac, you must trust in God. I love that because it shows the in-between. Because I don't think that Abraham was like, sure, I got to obey God now and got to take my son that I've prayed for and kill him for God. And I love, it gave me revelation when I did see this um, years ago. Oh my gosh, Isaac, we always talk about Abraham. But Isaac, he was a kid. And I love how they show, like, he's like, what are you doing? And that Abraham still said, we've got to trust God. So, guys, there's a sacrifice in worship. Because I'm pretty sure Abraham didn't want to have to kill his son. But he was going to if it meant obeying God to the fullness of what he'd been called to do. And see, I think sometimes, most times, we miss that. Because that's how we can come into some place and say, I don't really feel it. I don't feel like it. I would love for you next time you feel that to immediately let your mind switch to Abraham and Isaac. And I guarantee you that'll change how you worship. will change everything inside of you. A lot of us come seeking worship instead of seeking God. We come seeking a song instead of seeking God. Um, worship belongs to him, and it's not ours. We give him worship, but it's not ours to take. So when we make ownership of our worship, it's easy for us to say, I don't feel like it. It's also easy for us to judge. And in our daily life, if you go back to that, how much time you spend with God is directly connected to your corporate worship. I want to talk about another thing. Um, this is a extremely touchy subject. 
um, the word is compromise. I first want to say I'm not going to hold back with what I have to say, but I want to say if I say anything that happens to be a part of what's going on in your life, to ask the Lord to encounter you with that thing and not say, my, one of my favorite things that people say is, um, well, who are you to judge me? Well, the Bible specifically says we're not to judge the world, but we're to judge our own. So if I come to you with something, the thing that's coming back at me saying, well, who are you to judge is actually conviction, but you don't want to face it. When someone comes to you and says, hey, I'm really concerned because I've, I've been seeing this and this in you, and you get offended, that's actually conviction because you shouldn't be doing it. What Holy Spirit will do in that moment is break you if you allow him to be a part of that. So if we have compromise in our life, you can't, you can't fake out Holy Spirit. So you can have compromise in your life and come in here and genuinely love God but he lives in you. So I love the secret compromise that happens. That's the most dangerous, I feel like, more so than the, even the open. Open compromise, I would say, would be like, you know, going out with people and doing things you shouldn't. Um, if you take it into the, the teen, young adult realm, going out, clubbing, and getting high and getting drunk. That's open. That's an open compromise. Closed compromise would be like what you watch on TV that nobody sees how you talk when no one's listening. Now, I know there's a lot of gray areas. Um, some of you may be black and white. Some of you may tw gear towards, you know, gear more towards, like, I don't know about that. I, I do know, like, and when we teach, like, oh, cursing, let's talk about cussing. I do know that when we've been asked those questions, even by our, our young adults and youth, that can be a gray area in this. This is the argument. I know what the Bible says about it. Is over in England, this word is not a cuss word. You, I've, I've heard pastors say words that over here are considered cuss words. It's not considered a cuss word over there. So then people will say over here, well, then how, do you, how am I allowed? Can I, how can I not say it? I can go to England and say it, and it's not a curse word. That's a gray area to me. I would also say if it causes someone in our country to have a problem, then don't say it. So that's a gray area. Things that are not a gray area to me. Whether you watch... Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, because it has a witch in it. Maybe a gray area. I could probably find scripture that would say don't watch that to be safe, but I consider that a gray area. Watching nudity and sex, there's no gray. That is compromise. Let me put it this way. There's a specific show on TV. I had a, a, a friend, acquaintance of mine say, she's telling me about this show, and she's like, you should watch this show. It's so good. Me and John like medieval times, like the medieval stuff, which you got to be careful with that too. She's like, you got to watch this show. It's the stuff that you and John love. You'll love it. I'm like, cool, cool. Um, but isn't there like flat out like sex scenes in it? They're like, well, you know, not like Fifty Shades of Grey sex scenes. Like, I mean, they are pretty, well, maybe they, mm, yeah. But once you get past the nudity, it's so good. The show she was talking about was Game of Thrones. 
And I said, like, now I w- we won't watch. John and I stand. We won't watch anything with nudity. We won't watch anything. And he, and he said, uh, she said, well, well what a, you know, like, if this season and this season doesn't have as much of that. Okay. Well, then there was a huge, there was a thing on Facebook, and it said, um, I'm in the 1% that doesn't watch Game of Thrones. I don't know if you saw that. Maybe you guys are in the 1% that don't watch This Is Us. You're crazy. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's PG. He's the 1%. Um, but Game of Thrones, so I posted it. Now, again, I've never seen it. I've only heard. So I had all these messages come in about, who are you to judge this show? In my private message. You don't know anything about it. Christian friends. If the world were doing that, I'd be like, you know, that's your own thing. Christian friends. Leader, leadership. Not here. <laughs> leadership and other places. You don't know what you're talking about. You've never seen it. How can you judge? Okay, fair. So I did the research. This show has full seven to ten, some 12-minute sex scenes. From beginning to end. From beginning of what that experience would be like to end. It also has full, full nudity. Full. So I didn't want to be all religious, as some people would say. So I went and looked up a secular review on it. Let's see what the world has to say about this show. You guys know the New York Post, like the number one, like the number one place to look for everything, and in, in like worldly stuff and, and stuff. Pulls up this uh, report. It's from New York Post and Pornhub. If you don't know what Pornhub is. Where we all we get all the places that do pornography and stuff like that. It is the hub. All the places we get the statistics, like how many people watch it, how many. It's Pornhub. That's where you can get your statistics of how many young people. All of that. It's Pornhub. They did an interview with Pornhub. Pornhub said, "We hate when Game of Thrones seasons on, because our ratings go down, because people would much rather watch porn with a plot than ours." This is from a secular. <laughs> A secular place. Now, I also have heard people say, well, that's your conviction, not mine. I'm sorry. I believe the word says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in me. So, so does that mean y'all have a different Holy Spirit? Because I'm pretty sure it's the same one. Now, like I said, there's gray areas. But when it comes to 1 Peter talking about a woman should be adorned and modest and covered. Now, I know that a whole thing with the covering of the head. I'm not talking about that. There's several scriptures, 1 Peter, one of them, being one of them, talking about women being adorned, being covered. There's a reason for that. Because God has high value for women. High value for women. We are valued high. And what has happened in our society is we have dumbed that down and somehow said it's okay to put a naked woman on the TV and call it entertainment. If anything, when we watch a naked woman on a show, we are coming into agreement with the world and telling God his view of women is irrelevant. That is what we are doing Guys, that killed me. I, we have standards where we don't even watch that. But every, every once in a while, you know, some shows that are really good or some TV movies, they'll show a naked rear end or something like that. 
That is coming into agreement with the world saying, how you view women, that's all right. That's called entertainment. And saying, God, I don't care what your word says about women. We have taken the value of human. We've taken the value of sex and we've put it on a TV screen. God put that there for something special, and now we put it on TV screen, and we call it entertainment. And if you have HBO, you pay for that entertainment. That is the compromise I'm talking about. Because I can dare say that you can watch that entire show, movie, whatever it is in your head right now. Maybe there's something. I dare say that you can watch that. And then in the next instance, say, God, I want to see your face. Our eyes cannot gaze on that. And then say, I want to see you, Jesus. Because Jesus is going to be like, you want to see me? But what did you just see? You just took everything that I am and called it entertainment. That's the world. But now you want to see me? And so we wonder why sometimes we come into his presence and he doesn't show himself. It's because of compromise in our lives. It's because of compromise. It's because all of this, we can convince ourselves that we're walking, this is a slide I had, are walking holy, but that's just usually because we've allowed ourselves to believe a method to excuse the unholiness in our life. Let me read it. Sure, we can convince ourselves we are walking holy, but that's usually because we have used a method of measurement that is unholy. So therefore, we can excuse ourselves. Because behind closed doors, no one sees. There was a drama years ago that um, was done for years. I was a youth. I was a young youth. Maybe some of you guys remember it. It was where this girl was like, her guy was doing their thing, like watching TV and all this, and they got a phone call. Jesus was there. He came to visit. He knocked on the door, and she opened the door, and Jesus was there. And Jesus never spoke a word. And he came in and he sat down next to her and she's watching TV and then she's like, oh yeah, so we're going to turn the TV off. He's just sitting right next to her. And then um, she's like, turns the music on and she's jamming out and then she's like, oh yeah, uh, you probably don't listen to that. Okay, we're going to turn that off. Anybody ever seen that drama? Yeah, y'all have. You've probably done it to you like 20 times. And then, like, she gets a call, and someone's like, hey, there's a party going on. Let's go tonight. Like, so-and-so's going to be there. There's going to be lots of drinking. Parents bought the booze. And Jesus is sitting there, and he's like, and she's looking at Jesus, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to be there. And she looks over at him, and then she's like, oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm definitely not going to go to that. Jesus is just silent the whole time. And then she's getting frustrated because everything she goes to do, she's reading a book, and she realizes she can't do that. So she goes, and she sits down, and she opens the Bible. And she's kind of rolling her eyes. She's like, yeah, I know you know all about this. This is so boring, though. Shuts the Bible. He's still just following her around. And knock on the door again, and it's her friend from the party for the party. And she's like, I'm coming to pick you up. And the girl's looking at Jesus, and she's looking at her friend, and she's looking at Jesus. And then she's like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just go. And so she goes to go out the door, and Jesus is following her. And she pushes him away, and she's like, just stay here. I'll be back later for you. I'll be back later. We'll have our time together later, but I got to go. So every time she tried to walk out the door, she started getting mad. She's like, you, get, you need to stay over here. And he never said a word, just gentle and just would follow her. And then finally, she got so mad, she shoved him up against the wall and put his arms up like this as if to crucify him and said, I said, you stay here. 
And she walked out the door and left him. See, I think that's what happens to us. We forget that he's with us all the time. And then we go do our thing, but then we want to get back to him when we can. And then when we do and we don't feel anything, we blame him. Tell me how that makes sense. And I think that's a big part of our problem when we come into a worship setting in a corporate place. Why we can't feel anything is because our lifestyle back home sets some kind of thing during the week that says, I'm going to leave you here and I'll be back on Sunday. There's a, there's, there's a, the last thing I want to talk about is uh, entertainment versus God. Zach, can you get that clip ready? Um, there's a movie that came out a long time ago whew, called Gladiator. No, you guys can get excited about that one. <laughs> You're all like, can we get excited about that one? Because I'm not sure what she's going to say is bad. <laughs> yes. Gladiator, I like watching movies. I was talking to Christina a couple days ago. She was going to see Black Panther. Um, I was talking to her about how I try to find it spiritual. I'm telling you, Avengers is so spiritual. Like these movies, I love to find the Lord in the writers. And I love to see these writers of these movies like Avengers and Gladiator and things like this who don't know the Lord. Some of them are atheists, but their gifting is writing these movies. And they don't even know. They don't even know they're writing stuff that has to do with Jesus. Like, they don't even know. So this movie Gladiator came out. How many have seen Gladiator? Yeah. Some of y'all are lying because you're scared. But there's a scene. He comes out into the arena, and he is to kill. He's, everyone thinks that he's going to die. He's like this, supposedly this well-known, well-known, what are they, fighters? I don't know what they're called. Warriors. Gladiators. <laughs> Hence the name of the movie. <laughs> Y'all got to see my words. <laughs> they are gladiators. <laughs> he came out into the arena to, like, be killed and ends up, like, slaying the entire thing. Now, I'm not going to show that whole two-minute scene. I watched it, and I was like, yeah. And I'm thinking, like, there's kids, and there's probably people in here who hate gore, and they, like, show people's heads getting sliced off. So I'm just letting you know that's what happened. The video is only a few seconds long. It is after Maximus comes in and slays the entire arena. Like, men in armor, de decapitates them, like, it's beautiful. I mean, gross. It's gross. So gross. So disgusting. So I want, to see, I want you to see what happens to the crowd after Maximus has killed everybody. Go ahead, Zach. He said it's a short clip, but he's saying, are you not entertained? Is this not why you came here? And I feel like sometimes that could be the Lord, maybe not so violent, spitting on people, but that's the Lord. Like when you walk, when you walk into uh, his presence, whether it be corporate or at home, and you're expecting all of this, and you don't like the song, you don't like the worship leader, you don't like how things are going. And I feel like that's the Lord. Are you not entertained? Is, is this not what you came here for? I remember the first time I saw that scene, I just ended up being like, it's like the church, and it's like me, and it's just like, yeah. So I've always thought, like, 
We are not here to entertain each other. We are here to entertain an audience of one. And I know, I know that's cliche, and, and a lot of people say there's just an audience of one, but there really is. But even bigger than that, the audience of one lives in a kingdom of heaven, and we're joining with a kingdom of heaven with the audience of one. And I love that. The Bible talks about my favorite, one of my top five favorite scriptures is John 4.24. And it talks about worshiping in spirit and truth. And Jesus just has an encounter with a lady. And this is how he ends the scripture. God is his spirit and they that worship him with, must worship him in spirit and truth. Now again, those words worship mean completely do different things that when you, you kind of get a strong dictionary. Or don't, don't do that. Download it on an app. Um, when you guys talk, what does it mean to worship in spirit? Where, who lives in us? Holy Spirit. So if Holy Spirit lives in us, what does it mean to worship in spirit? That means you got to go in to let it come out. So a lot of times we try to just be surface and we're like, that's why the I don't feel like it's and things come out. Because we never connected in with Holy Spirit. I love Corey Russell. If you don't know who he is, he's out at IHOPKC. He prays in the spirit like nobody I've ever encountered in my life. But he says he does it because when he speaks, when he worships, he wants to be in the spirit before he does anything, anything else. It's basically like an escort for worship. So if we can get in here with Holy Spirit, then we can escort the rest of the congregation to come with us in your personal life. In your personal life, if you get Holy Spirit, then you can overflow out in your life. Um, when we seek him with all our hearts, we will find him. The other scripture um, that I gave Zach is, was it Second Corinthians? What is it? Chronicles. Second Chronicles. Can you put that one up? Oh, this is another one of my favorites. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And then the next verse, that's a whole other chapter. But i just pulling from that. Guys, the Lord's eyes are seeking the earth, looking for those who are fully committed to him. I want in on that. Like, I can't imagine God, like, his, him just going over the earth and going by Christina and being like, mm, she's not fully committed. There's compromise in her life that she's not willing to let go of. Because everyone else says that's religious. And then he just keeps going, looking for someone. Guys, I want to be that one. I want to be that one. And then it says, in truth, what is truth? Truth has a name. His name is Jesus. Truth. What is truth? Um, Does he allow us to count our sins and add them up? No. Because when we ask for forgiveness, what happens? They're gone. That's truth. That's truth. Um, what else is truth? Gazing into the eyes of God. And some people say, well, you can't really look at God. I'm, I thought the scripture says you can't, but you can sure ask him. That, that's truth. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to, I want to wrap this up because there's a couple other things I want to say. Worshiping, okay. When we worship in spirit and truth, we get breakthrough. You are wanting breakthrough, then you have to go for the spirit and truth lifestyle. So some of you are like, I just can't get through this one thing. And maybe the Lord's going to keep you there for a while. I don't know. He does that sometimes. Again, look at Job. If you're worshiping in spirit and truth, then you can attack what's going on in your life. But if you're not, if you're just doing it from the I'm going to blame God and everyone around me victim mentality, then we're not going to go anywhere. We can't help you. God can't help you. So you need to come into agreement with spirit and truth worship. If you want breakthrough in your life. 
You may walk around. I know people who walk around and they love so much the attention that they're getting from the issue in their life that they don't want to do whatever it takes to get rid of that. But they definitely want to talk about it, post about it on social media, but they don't want to do whatever it takes. See, if you want a breakthrough, you'll worship in spirit and truth. How great we praise God is a reflection of how greatly we think about God. How greatly we praise him is how greatly we think about him. Do you think great about God? Maybe you don't. Maybe your praise is hindered because you don't think that great about God. Then you need knowledge of God. You need the word of God in you. I want to challenge RCC as a church. We're going to end today in a minute by going back into worship. And I want you to take that old mindset and I want you to lay it at the altar. And there's a million other things we could preach for days on this. And we will be doing more on the 5th about this stuff. I want your lifestyle to be worship, not just Sunday mornings. I want to see you guys come in here and be waiting. Be waiting for the worship team to go so you can just have an overflow, overflow. And then by the time PG gets up to do his message, you guys are still going because the overflow, you're hungry. I don't want us blaming everything else around us when we have things that we can be doing for ourselves. Worship is not a result of his presence. We don't go, oh, his presence isn't here, so we might as well just quit. No, we don't do that. Rather, his presence is a response of our worship. Listen, a lot of times I say it, you'll hear me say it, God, we invite you. Let me tell you something. He does not need an invitation. He's going to show up where and when he wants, but I'll tell you what he likes. He likes an invitation of a heart that worships in spirit and truth. He's more likely to come with his presence, his weighty presence, if we come before him, not waiting on his presence, but letting that be a result. We can worship in the good things. We can worship in the good things, but can we worship? That's another point I had, I think. Anyone can worship when things are going good, but the strength of your worship is tested when it's difficult. The, the entire earth is made to worship God. How much greater that he created us. Out of all of creation, he said, I don't need your worship. I don't need your praise. I don't even need your attention. I want your attention. I want your worship. I want your praise. Now, see, that's my God. Um, when you enter his courts with praise, he will enter your situation with power. This is how I'm ending. When you enter his courts with praise, he will enter your situation with power. If you are looking for something, if you are wanting something in your life, then enter his courts with praise. And then guess what he's going to do? He's going to come in with power. I'm going to have you guys stand. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to go back into a worship song. And I actually prayed about what song to do. And the song that came to my mind was, so will I. Because if the mountains bow in reverence, then so will I. If the rocks cry out, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, I will still worship you. So I want to ask you guys, if you had a mindset of worship that was probably needs to be broken off and you kind of need to reroute your entire lifestyle, I'm going to ask you to come down. Bring people, I don't care. We can wait till the song starts. But really what I want to do during this song is just a moment to actually exercise everything we talked about today. I want you to go into that sacrifice. You may not even like the song. 
I don't know how you can't, but you may not even like the song. Again, go back to that old mentality and throw it out and be like, that's right. It don't matter what I think. This is about God. And I just want to go that direction with you. So if you guys will, um, I'm going to pray with you guys. Jesus, we come before you now. We ask you for a renewing of our mind, a renewing of our hearts when it comes to a lifestyle of worship that would be shown in a corporate setting as an overflow. I ask you to continue to stir in us this week. And I ask for any convictions that you've brought to our hearts during this service, that we would deal with it and say we would rather choose you in obedience than choose the entertainment of the world's eyes. We would rather come into a corporate setting and watch your presence come because we respond to you before you even respond to us. God, let this be our mindset. Let this be what happens to us from this moment on. And as we press into worship, and I'm going to ask just like, just like this song we'll talk about in a minute, but just like I preached on the sacrifice a few minutes ago, we don't need the music going. Go ahead and start worshiping. Matt Redman is an amazing worship leader, and he was a... a, a worship pastor of a mini mega church and his pastor was like there's something not it's not that it's wrong it's just not right and they came to the conclusion they 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 didn't have a mini mega church they had a mega church lights camera action they loved it they flowed in the spirit you can have all that and still flow i'm not saying you can't but there was something missing when they figured it out they figured out the people had grown so attached to the to the easiness of worship they forgot how to do it on their own so one Sunday, the church came in. Can y'all imagine? There was nobody on the platform. And the pastor just got up and said, we're just going to worship. And everyone just kind of awkwardly stood there. And he said, and until we learn to worship, we're not having any music up here. And over time... Gradually, a guitar player was added. No microphones. Gradually, a guitar player was added, then some keys. Last thing to come was the lights and all of that stuff. And the song was written, when the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you've required. You search much deeper within Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. So I'm coming back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it because it's all about you. That song was birthed from that situation at his church. And I'm challenging us as a church. I'm challenging us as Remnant Christian Center and in our own lives. To worship Him in spirit and truth. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.